The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. <laughs> you sound so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm tired. Uh, everybody, uh, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, you should you should be like Bill the Beast. No. Like, people call you the Beast on the Schmodown. They do. And and your name, William. I know you, you've gone by William most of your life. Have you ever yeah. been Bill? Or, no, because Bill was Billy? my dad. Oh, okay. That's how we knew people were talking to my dad and not to me, is they right. would call him Bill, and I was William. Okay. So, boom. They also called him Bib, but that was singular. I'm another one. You're so right. I make it plural, therefore so he's, Bibs. He's Bill Bib, and you're William Bibs. Basically. I like that. That's fine. All right, then just leave it. Okay. <laughs> just had to ask you The that. suggestion's been made. <laughs> I'm sure it has. Multiple times since the fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. And I have no right to throw stones about strange names. No, you do not. <laughs> I'm also a film critic, and uh, I write for the internet. And, uh, and before and, we get going today, uh-huh. uh, we really have to talk about this new fidget spinner I just got. Oh, God, we're it's doing this now? so cool. Yeah, we're thinking about like maybe starting a new podcast where we just review fidget spinners. It would have to be a video log. Why? And because that's, hear that's, it. that's the, the... No, I got this really the, cool... We're pivoting to video. I got this <laughs> really... That's where it's at. No, well, good, so it means we're going to die in six months. <laughs> uh, no, this, one, this is really cool. We're just going to review this. This is a uh, one, two, three. This is a six-pronged metal fidget spinner. It looks like and, an asterisk. And it sounds like this. Oh, that, that, that was just hitting my fingers and it hurt. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. If you're listening to headphones, maybe you heard that. <laughs> you probably heard it wrap my knuckles. That did hurt, by the way. It's really heavy. But uh, we're reviewing uh, another uh, listener request this week. Um, as you'll know, throughout the month of January, we have selected every single one of our episodes based on listener polls thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Additionally, each one of the videos in each one of those polls uh, was a contribution from a listener. Uh, so mostly. There's a couple well, we, we, we wanted we to... Fil- we filled out the thematic... Each, each week had a theme, and we wanted to fill out each theme with... Mm-hmm. Four selections. Well, like so we had our to fill out a couple week, of them. Our first week, all of your options were comedies. Mm-hmm. So we wanted the so like there's a reason to pick one thing over another. This week, all of your options were horror related. So we had a lot of we actually had mostly anthology series like Chiller or Mistress of Suspense or Hammer House of Horror. And what you picked instead was a late nineties horror action series mm-hmm. starring the bicycle guy from Singles. <laughs> and it's actually one of our most requested shows, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just delve right into Brimstone. I was a cop. And my wife was raped. I caught the guy who did it, and I killed him. Two months later, I died. I went to hell. 113 most vile creatures escaped. 
They think they'll beat the devil. Nobody beats me. So how am I supposed to send them back? The eyes. Windows to the soul. Destroy the eyes and the damned get a one-way ticket back home to hell. But it's not hell you should be scared of. It's losing your second chance of life on Earth. Time to give the devil its due. Brimstone! Look... I'm surprised nobody thought of, like, clever tag... You know if this had lasted, like, ten seasons, they mm-hmm. would have thought up, like, clever taglines, like, get brimstoned. Mm. We'll fill you to the brimstone. Mm. And his name is Stone, so it all falls into place. It does. Yeah. The, you done the, with that? The, <laughs> nah. Okay, the lead character... Yeah. yeah. Well, Brim. Okay. Real well, fast. First, Brimstone, a few vital statistics. Brimstone uh, aired on the Fox Network from October twenty third, nineteen ninety eight, through February twelfth, nineteen ninety nine. And boy, howdy, is it ever late nineties? Oh yeah, this is really this is all shot in that kind of post seven, mm. super grungy like. Even like, then, credits credits were really jittery all over the screen. Yeah. Although um, Peter Gabriel did the theme song, not which, not like the Chemical Brothers or something, which was really yeah. weird because like the theme songs, I. It doesn't really sound like anything, really. It just you, yeah. know, you probably heard like a bit of it in that clip we just played. Mm. Like it just sort of like oh. na, na, na. It doesn't sound like yeah. any Peter Gabriel tune. Yeah, um, it was created by Ethan Reif and Cyrus Voris. Now, if you don't know those names, that's okay. We're about to tell you who they are. <laughs> well, first of all, they are screenwriters. They uh-huh. are screenwriters who have worked on such films as Brain Smasher, A Love Story, Bulletproof Monk, Kung Fu Panda. Mm-hmm. And Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. They also uh, worked on the Cancel Too Soon series, we might get to them at some point, uh, 11th Hour, and slightly more successful TV series, Legends and Sleeper Cell. They also, and we'll get to the big one. I well, can I'm, see I'm, you right I'm, now. You're I'm, waiting I'm for I'm wiggling. The, I want to say the big one. There's a really cool one. I'll let you uh, say it, but there's okay. one more thing they did that I did not even know existed, uh-huh. and I have to find out. <laughs> they did a series of six motion pictures called Josh Kirby Time Warrior. Oh, I've heard of the Josh Kirby movies. Yeah, for I've Full just, Moon. Which yeah, is the, yeah. Or their family-oriented wing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I saw the trailer. They look fantastic. Which is called, like, Blue Sky or something? I forgot what their family Blue wing. Moon, I think. Blue, something like that. Yeah. Something astral-related. Yeah. Something in the sky. Blue Eclipse. <laughs> uh, but what's most relevant to Brimstone on a variety mm-hmm. of levels is one of their first scripts was a horror script that got kind of bounced around town, Apparently it got them quite a bit of work and was eventually produced under the Tales from the Crypt mm. movie banner. It is, of course... Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight, which you and I have done a commentary track for. Yeah, because it's great. Because it's a great movie. Um, it it has very little to do with Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, it has an opening it, with the Crypt Keeper introducing, yeah. Welcome to the Crypt! The, the story is much more action movie than it is, like dark morality tale, which is where most of the Tales from the Crypt show came out of. It's a siege picture. It's basically mm. Assault on Precinct 13, except everyone who's laying siege to the building is a demon. Mm. That's a cool idea. And a, a conceit that is taken directly from Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight and applied to Brimstone is to destroy a demon, you have to shoot it in the eyes. Or destroy their eyeballs. Eyes are the windows, eyes of, are the the windows of the soul. So... You know, they they were sticking with what works. <laughs> well, and actually, if you watch Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, I, I don't think it's in continuity yeah. with Brimstone. But, but you it can could see easily a lot of, be a series of that movie. Oh, you know, absolutely. Like, so Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight was mm-hmm. the, the actual film part, and I had ignored the Crypt Keeper wraparound. Is a really cool story about um, a demon played by Billy Zane who is trying to acquire a mystical artifact mm-hmm. from a hero who's been alive for, you know, longer than any, like, 100 years. Um, and 
it's just about them fighting. But what's cool about it is you've got this kind of world-weary, immortal hero trying to stop the forces of hell. That's in Brimstone. Mm. You've got the hellish creature who... It's kind of, at, kind of a wisecracker and enjoys causing misery. Extremely charismatic, mm-hmm. even though he is the face of all evil. That is in Brimstone. <laughs> and yeah, you got the uh, the whole shooting out the eyes angle. Mm-hmm. They basically took Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, mm-hmm. changed some stuff, Thought- and made the series. And it's a, that's a cool idea. I, I I'm I couldn't find any proof of this, but it seems to me like they were probably trying to pitch Demon Knight the series, probably to HBO first because they own the rights to the yeah, movie some anyway. Sort of spinoff, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it just wasn't getting traction because Demon Knight wasn't a huge hit. It made money, it was but a, it wasn't like a, it didn't make a hundred million. Yeah, it, it, was, was like it was like forty or fifty. I don't, I don't have the number. It's, in it's front a of cult me. hit at best, and right. so they they just sort of rejiggered it a little bit. Rather than having it be a demon, they said, "Well, why not just Satan himself?" Right. So the premise and the, the of hero Brimstone. is just similar. <laughs> yeah. The premise of Brimstone is that there is a heaven, mm. there is a hell, and there has been a jailbreak from hell and 113 mm. souls from throughout the history of the world. In fact, do you want to read the, the little blurb on the back of the okay. DVD oh, box? I guess we could. <laughs> uh, even the best maximum security penitentiary sustains an occasional escape. It happened on Devil's Island. It happened on Alcatraz. And now... Huge letters. It's happened in hell. And how many exclamation points did they use? Four. Four. Nice. <laughs> it's happened in hell. So uh, Peter Horton from Thirty mm. Something, mm. uh, and he also played the bicycle guy in Singles. That's what I know him from because I didn't watch that show. Yeah. Uh, he plays a de- detective Ezekiel Stone, who fifteen mm. years ago Ezekiel Stone. I know. I love. I love the hard boiled <laughs> names they, they they just shoehorn into shows like this. So, At least it wasn't Ezekiel Brimstone. That's true. Is he, well, maybe we don't know his middle name. Ezekiel <laughs> Brim, Brim Stone. Stone. Nice. Uh, it, it's not as bad as um, from Iron Man, Obadiah Stane. <laughs> or uh, one of our Twitter listeners pointed this out. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in End of Days was Jericho Kane. Yeah. Well, that's I, even worse. <laughs> honestly, I think Batman kind of made a whole gen- generation immune to this. Like Edward Enigma. You know, like, like you, you know how um, many, you know, everyone knows a few Edward Enigmas. I, I, or Harleen Quinzel. Uh, yeah. Of, of the Bridgeport Quinzels, of course. Yeah. I always wanted to write like a Batman story where there was like a younger Robin, like uh, I, like the Stephanie Brown Robin, less experienced mm-hmm. Robin, and they would meet some sort of scientist, and the scientist would have some kind of, I don't know, some kind of crazy name. Yeah. Like, uh, 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 Help me out here. I, What's a crazy name? Um, di, dis, uh, I don't know. Dis M. Bowel. Yeah, Dis M. Bowel. Yeah, yeah. And Batman's like, okay, well, what what can you tell us about the person who's like disemboweling everybody? And Robin's just like, he's got a crazy name. Just, he's he's going to turn evil. Come on. Arrest him now. Look, we just have to keep an eye on it and get some proof first. Yeah, and it's until proven guilty. I know he's got a crazy oh, name. He's on a list. I see you're dressed like a bat. Now we're respecting the letter of the law. <laughs> Ezekiel Stone died 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. He was, well, as we think, and we'll talk about this later, there's a good episode about it, we think he was a good cop, and mm-hmm. he did one terrible thing. He, he uh, th- and this is explained all in the credits crawl, he yeah, mur- you heard a clip of it. murdered his wife's rapist. Yes. His wife was raped, and he murdered the rapist, mm-hmm. uh, just in cold blood, just went out into the street and shot the guy. Vengeance. Uh, and, Death wish. Uh, 
And then two months later, and I don't think we ever learned how, but two months later... It was just on the jobs. As she just, he died. Yeah, he and, got killed on the job. And he went to hell for 15 years. Uh, uh, then Presumably he would have been there longer, but 15 years later, there's a huge uh, prison break. Uh-huh. And the devil basically gives him an assignment. Mm. The devil is played by John Glover. John Glover and is amazing. John Glover is such a great actor. Uh, I first saw John Glover in Gremlins 2, uh, where he played uh, Mr. Clamp. Uh, who's like Donald Trump, but kind of cheery and enthusiastic about the mayhem around him. It's pretty great. Uh, Donald Trump like, meets you're, Rupert you're, Murdoch. Any mm. sort of famous, shitty billionaire from the 80s but was clamped. He, he did get to say things. These monsters are destroying your building. Oh, good. I get to use my secret exit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's, John Glover is great at playing evil, but you're not mad at him for it. Yeah. yeah. He played uh, Lex Luthor's dad on Smallville, and he was ah, great nice. in that. Uh, he played the... Even, like, shittier version of Bill Murray and Scrooge. Right. Like, Bill Murray plays, like, the asshole Ebenezer Scrooge character. John Glover plays the asshole who's going to be even worse than him, but <laughs> makes you like him, because he's not, he sounds like he's fun to be around. Mm-hmm. So he plays the devil like he's fun to be around, and mm-hmm. it really kind of nails it. Um, and there's a couple other major characters who kind of pop in and out, but those are the only two who are in every episode. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about more as the series progresses. Um but yeah, so that's the deal. It's a Monster of the Week episode. Every well, week he goes after a different uh, sinner, and each sinner has been in hell so long that hell has become a part of them. So now that they're on they're, Earth... They're sort of like sucked up hell powers into their body. Yeah, so like there's a guy who can like burn you by touching you. Mm. There's another there's person a who's like got a... Got she died of tuberculosis so or, or typhoid, like, and so, and she so disease she's, powers. She's, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and that's fun. Mm. That's kind of cool. And, uh, nothing against oh, that. and and uh, he's also tattooed with these weird satanic glyphs all over his body. Yeah, and, and each time he takes out one of the demons, the glyph disappears. Yeah, there's a couple other fun little uh, continuity bits. Apparently, you can take it with you because when you come back to life, you're reborn wearing the clothes you died in with whatever was in your pockets. So right. Ezekiel Stone died wearing yeah, pants, coat, whatever, uh, and he had his fully loaded gun on him. And it's and, always fully loaded. <laughs> yeah. And a pocket of... He had $36.27, I think. Thirty. That, yeah. $36.27. So that's all the money he has every day. <laughs> and that actually runs into a problem. Mm. He doesn't need to eat. He does because he likes it. It makes him feel mm. normal because he's well, dead. And in fact, in one episode, he eats spoiled food just because he can. Yeah. <laughs> he eats a 15-year-old candy bar. Ah, I remember Reggie Bars. <laughs> do, do, do you remember Reggie Bars? The, I do The Reggie Reg- Jackson tie-in candy that's, bars that's from really, the early 80s? What's really weird is they just did an episode, or they're doing an episode of that on um, the cinema snob, Brad Tries, uh-huh. where he eats like weird food, but sometimes he eats like old expired food, Aww. and you're just like, "Don't do that!" Why? And he had a Reggie bar, uh-huh. like an actual Reggie bar. He says this is the worst thing he ever tasted. <laughs> it's Twenty would, years old. Why would or you do like, that? It's like uh, thirty now. Uh, yeah, thirty-five years old at it's this insane. point. It's terrible. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's that's part of his shtick. But he also he can't be killed except. By other demons, and other demons can only kill him if they shoot out his eyes as well. So he's also, basically invincible, but... Also, they can, they're can they the only ones who can hurt him, so he can actually like throw himself off of buildings and... He does that like, a lot. Yeah, that, that's kind of his one superpower. He falls out of windows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, they're surrounded by the cops. This is hard to explain. What? Right. I'd put on a costume. I'd put on a costume and call myself Defenestration Man. <laughs> <laughs> and with your arch nemesis, Fenestration Man. <laughs> the window pane. <laughs> Full of make you feel all the window pain. Can you? Can you? Have, there you go. Perfect. Hey. <laughs> why aren't we screenwriters? <laughs> that's oh, wait, why. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> so the pilot episode of Brimstone. 
Uh, uh, it, it essentially lays down all the rules, and the bad guy is uh, like a like a 12th century priest? No, not 12th. Uh, 19th century priest. 19th century priest. He was, he was from New York, turn of the century. Mm. First episode takes place in New York, and then it quickly moves to Los Angeles. But the, you wouldn't tell by looking. All, well, the sets all look the same. Well, one thing that kind of, like, there's certain questions that this kind of raises mm-hmm. and we'll talk about some of them get addressed some of them don't it's like Alcatraz like why are they all in the same city yeah the whole twist at the end of Alcatraz if you recall was that they weren't all in the same city and mm-hmm. I'm like why would you assume they were mm-hmm. it's fucking magic going on so the whole I think originally the idea was that Ezekiel Stone would travel around like America or wherever tracking down these creatures but mostly they're in Los Angeles uh, uh, they're, they're all in Los Angeles except for the pilot I, I think I think he might have Ventured to San Francisco once, but like it's really not. Oh, I, yeah, I think so. Because what happens is he doesn't have a consistent set of supporting characters. Sometimes he's in town and he mm. teams up with a detective, a police detective played by Terry Polo. Mm. Terry Polo is probably best known uh, from the Meet the Parents franchise, uh, but you'd also might know her from Sports Night, The West Wing, she's, The Fosters. She's worked a lot. I'm Terry a big Polo. fan of her. Mm. I actually think she's great. I think she's really great in this show. She's really good at being serious and funny mm-hmm. at the same time. And she's also got really great chemistry with Peter Yeah, I, I, be- I was going to say that. I believe they're... When they start to flirt and they start to sort of form a, a relate like this romance, mm-hmm. usually I think that's death. I hate when they just try to shoehorn in romance just because the leads are male and female and about the same age. Yeah. It's like, these people can just be friends. You don't yeah. have them to be romantic interest as well. But they do have chemistry, and she does flirt well, and you would understand why these two characters would be attracted to one another. Like, if you were at a party with Peter Mm. Horton and Terry Polo, in character, Mm. possibly in real life, I don't know, but like in character, (laughs) certainly, you would be like, they're leaving together. Why are they pretending they're not dating? Come on! They they immediately start talking, and it's like, you came with Peter Horton's like, uh, hey, Peter, do you want to... and you have to sit and drink Shasta. Yeah, while well, he leaves you for Terry Polo. But then you see him with Terry Polo, and it just sort of looks like, yeah, that, that's fair. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, compete with that. <laughs> I can't compete with that. Good on you, bicycle guy from Singles. I guess I'll get a bus home. Um, the other character who shows up the most is Max, uh, a, an author played by Lori Petty, who is also like the super at his apartment complex. She's the concierge, I think. Yeah. Uh, concierge. And she... Uh, She's like the source of the kind of missed opportunity this show had to do a lot of fish out of water humor because he's been off of Earth for 15 years. A lot happened to him. And there's years. A, not enough in terms of like culture clash and what's going on. He doesn't ask like who's president now or what's, you know, this crazy thing going on. She just says, oh, and there's an internet now. It's like, I don't understand internet. Explain it to me in one episode. And that's kind of all we hear about there, it. There's a few others. Like, the first inclination, like, if you don't know the premise of the show, and I remember watching Brimstone when it came out, mm-hmm. um, and they really hadn't been clear about everything. And, like, uh, like the ads were clear. He was, like, hunting demons, but all the rules weren't laid out yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how long he'd been dead. Um, so, like, one of the first things is when he gets a motel room, he sees that there's interleague play in baseball when it's not the World Series. Wow. And he just couldn't wrap his head around it. <laughs> and I'm watching this and I know nothing about baseball. I'm like, oh, I guess that's a thing. That, that started in in, in be- the span he was yeah. dead. And then the Reggie Bar incident. I mean, that's one where he's, he has a craving for a food that doesn't exist anymore. And mm. no one even remembers it. Because uh, it yeah. was dead. <laughs> it was a long since weird, dead candy a Weird bar. product tie-in that nobody even liked at the time. Yeah, so there's little moments like that. But for mm. the most part, they kind of just... He, he doesn't have to actually interact with people very yeah. often. Yeah. He's only there for one reason. There's a couple of fun episodes where um, he's actually trying to have something amounting to a day off. Like, he's just sitting well, at home watching TV. That's almost... 
every episode. He yeah. starts off, he's like, okay, I'm gonna, finally going to take a load off. I'm not going to do demon hunting today. And the devil shows up and says, so, are you going to start demon hunting? I'm like the world's worst boss. <laughs> I love the depiction of hell in this show. That, you know, hell is this realm of eternal torment. The devil knows exactly how to push your buttons. But if you're in hell, it's essentially like having just a really shitty job. Mm. That's what hell is. It's like the, the boss is always breathing down, like micromanaging like crazy, making you feel bad about the job you're not doing, mm. and you hate doing it, and you're constantly working, and you never get, like, as soon as you start to relax. Well, they do talk about, like, certain... because That's something we can relate to. <laughs> oh, certainly, yeah. and I think that's really, really great. And I always like the idea of, it usually works. Sometimes it doesn't. It mm. usually works really, really well to take something really fantastic... Mm. Something hard to believe, something magical or science fiction, mm. and to bring it down to a working class yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. Not to make it nothing, just to make it rela- like one of the reasons why Ghostbusters is such a brilliant movie. It's not that they're busting ghosts, it's that they're, it's just like they're exterminators. They're blue collar schlubs. Yeah, they're just they're, they're see, in fucking um, jumpsuits getting shit all over their fucking jumpsuits every day. They're, they're smoking they're, cigarettes. They're and tired stuff, yeah. and they're just they don't want to do it every all the time. It's not glamorous, it's just their fucking job. Mm. We can relate to that. And it's fucking awesome. Mm. Uh, did you ever see that movie, Wrist Cutters, A Love Story? I didn't, actually. No, it's uh, Evidently, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. But hell for suicide sufferers is like... It's like a really small town in like the outskirts of California where nobody ever goes and they don't have anything and nothing works. It's like your car doesn't start and yeah. all the apartments are shitty. And that's sort of like a version of hell I think we can all picture a little bit more than just a cave full of fire. Right, and then they they do mention, as we meet various uh, sinners who have mm-hmm. escaped, some of them do indeed talk about what their torture was. Like, mm-hmm. I had to look at the faces of my victims over and over again and feel mm-hmm. their pain and... Well, and that's, that's horrible. The, the but, devil yeah. even says to Peter Horton, you know, I, oh, if you want to take a break, I can just send you back to hell. I have these great tortures planned for you. You can watch your <laughs> wife get raped over and over. What do you think? It's like, Jesus, man. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm back. The problem, the biggest problem with Brimstone is that the first few episodes mm. um, are a lot darker than future episodes, in part because they really try to be very confrontational mm. about uh, Ezekiel Stone's wife's rape yeah it's really heavy <laughs> it's not it does it's not quote-unquote fun uh-huh. it's and the other problem is that they're really focusing on the husband's reaction and not it's hers. all it's all about how he felt which is and that's another thing they, we don't mention that the wife is still alive mm-hmm. until episode 10 or 11 at this point i it's, think they hint that she's alive like there's a moment where he's thinking about calling her mm-hmm. and then he doesn't because what do i do yeah. like has she moved on i don't know but there, and, there should be like more talk of her it's like and you know i just i wonder where she is and the devil could show up she's happy without you you know just to be a dick about it yeah yeah, you know, just to to let us know that he's still thinking about it, and she's still out there, and there's a person around this crime and around his sin. Yeah, it's kind of vital to the show, and we don't it is. we don't talk about it a lot. They they get to it eventually, and I think maybe the series best uh, the best episode. Yeah, uh, yeah towards the, the end, but we'll give that one its proper due. Is that it's a hell of a life. That's a great episode. It's all <laughs> it, it right is, there. It is. Uh, the first episode of Brimstone again. So he's mm-hmm. brought back to New York. He's getting his his sea legs back or whatever. And yeah, he runs into a priest, a serial killer priest from the turn of the century who has been kidnapping altar boys so that he can sacrifice them and start the apocalypse. Or at mm-hmm. least what he thinks is the apocalypse. He, he, has, he sees young people, he sees visions that they're these things from the book of Revelation. Yeah, that, that need to be sacrificed puts, in order to bring about... Puts masks on them and kills a bunch at once and that'll stop the, and there's like this, stop the world. And there's this whole long subplot of this other detective who finds 
finds out that Peter Horton's back from the dead, mm-hmm. and oh, who, but now who might have was supposed to be a supporting character, and I guess was written out. He got Hellboyed. Yeah. If you recall the main character in the first Hellboy movie, mm-hmm. and how he was like everything yeah. had to be explained to this Ag- guy, Ag- Agent Myers. Yeah, yeah. and then Ag- was, he's, he was Agent Myers. Doubt exactly. Agent, yeah, to be to be Myers is to be written out after <laughs> the first episode when your only purpose in the story was to have shit explained to you, mm-hmm. and then they kind of brought the idea for the character back with Terry Polo's character, mm-hmm. but now there's actually like chemistry and kind of a reason for them to be there and push and pull well, and, and a, a female lead, which was nice. Also than nice. Just these two dudes kind of talking to each other. Yeah. Uh, it, this the pilot's very efficient in delivering information because aside from the Myers character, mm-hmm. we have. Uh, the devil kind of just laying it out on the lines. Like, so mm-hmm. w- what's going on here? And the devil says, well, here are the rules. And what I love is he says, those are kind of convoluted. Why? Pfft, I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do anything straightforward now. I thought, I, you know, there, there's actually an organic reason for the rules to be kind of convoluted because he just wants to F with this guy. And supposedly, uh, the idea was John Glover was only going to be in the pilot, lay out the rules, and then leave. Uh. But then they realized, holy shit, we got John Glover. Mm. Why isn't he in every episode? He needs to be like his Dean Stockwell on Quantum Leap. Mm. Or at least his... Uh, um, um, oh, who was the green guy in Flintstones? Oh, the Great Kazoo. The Great Kazoo. He can be the Great Kazoo. <laughs> he's, that, he's just that guy that you talk to, and that's the fun of it. <laughs> and uh, he is responsible for the bulk of the show's cold opens. Like, yeah. Like, uh, our hero is just sort of relaxing, and the devil will show up to bug him and say, hey, g- get out. They, they won't even, like, start the story. They'll just have a little exchange. And in a vacuum, those little exchanges are terrific. Yeah. Where there's, there's this kind of tired workaday guy having a conversation with Satan, who knows everything <laughs> about him, and they have nothing to hide, so they're actually kind of close in a weird way. Yeah, after a while, there's like he actually like starts to get a little sympathy for the devil, uh-huh. and you see that they have like they're maybe they're not friends, but when you're in the foxhole with someone long enough, you develop a certain affinity for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like every episode opens with, after the pilot, Ezekiel is doing something, he's going to the beach, he's at a batting cage, he's just watching TV, God bless him, and then <laughs> Satan shows up, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he says something about how Earth sucks, and they have some funny banter mm-hmm. about hell, and then he, the devil leaves after making some important point that establishes the theme of the episode, mm-hmm. and then drives a clue. Yeah, he, he doesn't tell him where to go. He's like, hey, maybe follow. Here's a matchbook. And, he, and then the matchbook bursts into flame, so he can't even keep it. Yeah. Bastard. <laughs> the devil's a bastard, as well he ought to be. <laughs> Damn right. So yeah, the pilot episode be, kind of just fights that guy. He saves the kids. Mm. Boom. Bob's your uncle. Uh, the next episode is another episode about rape. Uh, it, it's the... Uh, is this the Sex and Flames episode? Yeah, so it's called Heat, and it is about a young woman who was... Uh, her, her village was attacked in the Middle Ages. Uh, the church defended all the people who violated her. Mm. And now she's out. She's young enough that she's impersonating a college student. They really don't talk about how all these people who've been in hell for centuries are mm. speaking English, common English, I'm, I'm, I'm and guessing getting that's, their identities together. You know, people from every nation go to hell, so it must be, like, multicultural down there. And people just sort of know... Maybe that's one of the hell powers they absorb, is knowledge of cultures and other languages. It's never explained, but I'm willing to forgive it. 
But in any case, uh, she's out now, and she's trying to live her life. Like, she's actually trying to, like, connect to people and maybe even find love. It seems like she's trying to move on. Mm-hmm. She even sees a therapist to try to move on, but she's filled with so much anger, and anytime she actually tries to be amorous with somebody, they end up being burned. Yeah, she, everything around her just sort of explodes into flames. Yeah. Uh, it goes really... Uh, she has like this romantic interlude with a guy in a pool and ends up boiling him alive because the pool boils. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that she was. I think she was actually trying to romance the guy. Like, yeah. She was actually attracted to this fellow. There are uh, near the end of the episode, like any guy who hits on her in a bar says, "Okay, let's just go into the bathroom," and they just spontaneously combust. Yeah. She actually. It's actually an interesting arc because mm-hmm. oftentimes, like you'll see a villain and they'll try to redeem themselves, or they have no arc whatsoever. Her arc is that she was trying to redeem herself and then says. Fuck it, I'm a monster. Yeah. The, what has happened to me has made me uh, 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 darker inside. Mm. And to the show's credit, Peter Horton is really conflicted about sending her back to hell. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to, but he finds out that if he willfully tries not to send someone back to hell, mm. he'll just be sent back to hell and they get someone else to do it. So mm. he's, in, he's in a shitty place. And, of course, it reminds him directly of his wife. <laughs> So it's again, it's kind of hard to have fun with this because it's really fucking heavy. And then the third episode just jumps right fucking back into it because the next person he has to send back into hell is his wife's rapist. Which seems like they they jumped the gun on that one. They should have waited until the end of the season or a second season to actually confront the rapist. I actually think this was. I actually think this is the or, best. Possible or it should have been the pilot. I the pilot's maybe a little too soon. I'm glad they got out of the way real early though because again. After this episode, the show starts not dealing with the really heavy shit as much, and you can actually have some entertainment value out of it. The first few episodes of the show are oppressively dark, and I think this is another one where it's just malevolent. It was clearly pitched as a horror show, and they were trying to be kind of edgy, but only... Only as edgy as you can be on network TV, so you can't actually show, like, the violence. You can't mm-hmm. show, like, people's heads being ripped off. Right. But they can talk about sexual assault, as, and yeah. that was popular, because I think um, Law & Order SVU is already on the air. This well, I, I it was around uh, the same... It was contemporary. To be clear, popular is not the, the right word for it, but it was it was on TV it, a lot. It was on TV a lot, and, but, which is what I mean by popular. But the problem, again, is it's a show driven by men. Mm. It's seen through the men's experience. So when the his wife's assailant is back and hurting more women, we t- we spend more time with Peter Horton and the assailant's uh, and the victim's husband mm. than we do with the woman in question, and that's yeah, off. The, the perspective the, the, the is she, wrong. That she's been absent, but the rapist has a voice. Is, yeah, it's a little. Odd. It's it's really messed up. There are good things about the episode. Louise Fletcher plays uh, the, mm. the the murderers or the his mom. The yeah. villain's mom. Um, and she's great. Louise Fletcher from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And and since this was also 15 years ago, they've been missing for about the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, the, a lot of, in some episodes, people have died recently enough that they can sort of pick up the remnants of their old lives. Right. Uh, some of them have been dead for many, many centuries. Yeah. And we'll get to them, too. All right. Um, th- this, is another, this is an episode where they actually fudge the rules as well, because the whole thing is you should shoot their eyes out. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Stone does that almost immediately, and it doesn't work. And the devil says, yeah, I changed the rules. Why? I have a valuable lesson to teach you, I guess. And then he only, he's only end up able to end up killing him when he does it by hand? Yeah. They're kind of nonspecific about it. Is it because he was enraged? Is it- well, and, uh, the way that he takes out these villains' eyes is he shoots them. Because, you know, he has this magic gun that constantly reloads. Yeah. So he... Uh, 
he does become a better shot over the course of the series. And there are times like, when he takes people's eyes out in other clever ways. Yeah, but, but it, it seems to me like he would have like an eye gouging device, but that's something somebody else finds in a later episode. Yeah. Like the eye stabber. There's like an ancient medieval eye stabbing yeah. blade. You, you would think that. I guess that would make it maybe a little too cheesy if they made Ezekiel Stone like more like Blade, where he had like all these fancy demon fighting weapons and, and stuff. And it also adds to this thing where like every other episode he has to find some new clever way to take out someone's eyes. Like there's mm. one time where I think they're he's fighting a bank robber mm. and they're in a bank and they have those like pens that are hanging from chains and he grabs two of those and he stabs him with those. Mm. Okay, all right, fine, it's fun. Let's work with that. Uh, <laughs> the next episode is called Repentance. This is a good one because this establishes something that we hadn't really talked about much before. The idea that, okay, remember when we did Alcatraz? Mm. And the whole point of Alcatraz is that they were inmates who had escaped Alcatraz but into the present day, but they all resumed crimes immediately. And we Mm. all know enough about the legal system to know that not everyone in prison is like a compulsive criminal. Yeah. And that some people actually are uh, uh, reformed and that Mm. it, it, it seemed weird that they all continue not only like immediately do they continued continu- not only yeah. do they continue to commit crimes but yeah like it's like they're going to do the exact same crimes in the same places in the same way and there was no reason for them to be doing that yeah other than some sort of plot contrivance so the episode repentance is actually kind of interesting it's about uh someone is killing a whole bunch of homeless people yeah and ezekiel stone is trying to find out who did it and he discovers that the sinner who escaped hell is a, a, a nazi officer who had tried to rescue a large number of Jews from the Holocaust and then chickened out and gave them up. Mm. And that's why he's in hell. And when he finds the guy, he the, that guy is not the serial killer. It turns out the serial killer is just some other dude. Uh-huh. Turns out that this guy uh, is actually trying to help the homeless mm. to redeem himself because... <laughs> He did this horrible thing, and he does arguably deserve to be in hell for it, but he does feel bad about it. Mm. And if Ezekiel Stone is worthy of redemption, theoretically, are these other people worthy of redemption? And it actually well, raises go, that question. If, if you go by Dante's vision of hell, then yes, that you can work your way out and up the Tower of Purgatory and back into paradise. Exactly. So it, it is possible to redeem yourself even after death. Yeah. I mean, it would it would stand to reason. Yeah. Um, so the show actually starts addressing that, and I like these additions to the show's sort of obviously Judeo-Christian mythology mm. of heaven, hell, all that kind of stuff. But we're starting to add, incorporate new elements, and there's an element they introduce in the next episode uh, that they don't follow up on, but I suspect was going to be important later. Um, <laughs> but like, the next re- episode is a poem, and it's mm-hmm. about a, yet another serial killer mm-hmm. uh, who is. It's also the Chinatown episode. Every fucking <laughs> Every series has the Chinatown. The ev- Master had a China. Manimal had a Chinatown episode. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but every fucking like every fucking like episodic adventure series has one episode about Chinatown, and mm. it's usually pretty insulting. It's good that yeah, all these people are well, getting work, but it's not necessarily a favorable depiction of anybody. It, it, they always dealt with broad stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, here it was a, at least a little bit more sensitive. It's, but it's it, a better written episode than yeah, usual. Uh, um, uh, Rosalind Chow is in it. She plays a Chinese teacher. Rosalind from, Chow from, from Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. yeah, She played uh, Keiko O'Brien. Yeah, uh, Always a good actor. Really mm. like her. Um, but yeah, the killer in this one, he is killing young women because he's using their blood to write like ancient Chinese poetry. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
That's an idea. I don't know. It could, you know, it could have been the subject of a, a serial killer thriller from like 1993. It raises the question, though. Mm-hmm. He he was. Why is that guy in Christian hell? Is if there? He's not Christian. Is there? So what they're saying is that there's only the one God. Mm-hmm. But that kind of contradicts something else we learned a little later. <laughs> so I'm a little confused as to how well, that works. This is very much the. Uh, a Christian version of Satan, where Satan mm. is sort of the was the devil's right hand. Uh, Satan loved was God, God's right God's, hand. or God's right hand. Um, loved God and only God, and you know had a, a bit of a tiff and was cast out of heaven and created hell, kind of out of spite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you, so he's a fallen angel, and they talk about that. In fact, we we do get to meet another angel at some point. That's not part of other religious hell imagery. The sort of notion of of a, a Satan, a, an adversary. That's something that comes out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a, a lot of Bible translations translate devil as adversary. It's what the word means in in the ancient languages. Yeah. So it's like just the, the opposing force, and that implies that there are opposing forces. It applies the, but it also implies sort of like a, a dualistic view of the universe, and that dualism, the good versus the evil, is antithetical to a lot of Eastern mysticism. When, you know, you look at the yin and the yang; the, the light and the dark are equal, and they're constantly at play. Yeah, they're connected. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a reason it's, why it's, yin and yang dualism, have a dot yeah. of each other within each other. Um, not, yeah. Um, Anyway, the idea that gets introduced in this one, because at the end he saves um, a Chinese woman who's teaching English to immigrants, which is mm. how this uh, person who died hundreds of years ago is, uh, now, now, is now acclimating. I like that they finally addressed a little of that. Mm. Um, but um, she talks about uh, a legend that is sounds eerily similar to what Ezekiel Stone is doing, which is a whole bunch of ghosts, demons, monsters uh, who were set free and besieged the earth and we're going to make the earth terrible and how they were defeated by convincing some of those 113 monsters Mm. to turn against the others. So I suspect what they were setting up with that was the idea that eventually, and we already saw that there was at least one character who was trying to redeem themselves, Mm. some of the sinners... Would turn on the devil. Would turn on the devil, or maybe even team up with Ezekiel Stone. Yeah, and create more of an ensemble dynamic. Well, and we kind of, we finally got that not in the next episode, but the following one, Slayer, which where we met another demon hunter. Yeah, so, and, uh, and it wasn't until later in the series where the devil started dropping bits of dialogue, like, "Hey, if you don't want this job, I got other people who can do it," or "I got this guy who was doing it before." Other people are doing it concurrently, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of hell agents evidently crawling around. Well, here. that's Just what Ezekiel he wants- Stone does. That's what he implies. Meet them. That's what he implies. Now, of course, he's the devil. Yeah. Devil lies. <laughs> yeah, and we do find out the truth about it later mm. on. Uh, the next episode is called Executioner. Which is the exact same story as the very first episode of Tales from the Crypt. No shit. Well, it, it The one with not... the electrocuted guy? Uh, the Exec- Executioner is about a about dance, the... uh, one of the souls. It was, was el- an executioner who yeah. executed people by electricity, found people that had slipped through the cracks of the justice system, and murdered them via electricity. This is That's the Will Sadler part in the very first episode of Tales from the Crypt. Oh, I didn't realize the, Not the Christmas episode, but the one after that. Oh, okay, I was about to say, yeah. that, that confused me for a second. Yeah, where he, he was an executioner, he just loved executing people, and he found people who were who got off, and he found ways of like electrocuting them. He didn't have powers, but 
That's yeah. what he did. Um, this is and one of those episodes where, okay, first off, we have to make one thing abundantly clear. Mm. As with most television series, this one has at least one episode with Michelle Forbes in it. <laughs> this is the episode with, with Michelle, Michelle Forbes. Forbes in it. She's legally required to be in every television show if her schedule permits. <laughs> and it's, she's great. She plays a DA, all the people who she tried or got off are being executed. So naturally, uh, okay. Peter Horton, Ezekiel Stone is... Mm. Investigating her, and she has a sniveling assistant as well, mm-hmm. played by John Hawk. John okay. Hawks and uh, John Hawks, you know John Hawks. Yeah, we from... hope you know John Hawks. He's one of the. He's certainly a face you know. Yeah. Uh, he was an Oscar nominated for Winter's Bone. He had an incredible, should have been Oscar nominated role in Martha Marcy May Marlene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's, he's great in the sessions. Uh, yeah, the sessions mm-hmm. exactly. He probably should be nominated for that as well. Um, but this was a time when John Hawks was simply character actor B. Yeah, you recognize his face. You probably saw him in a bunch of TV shows, but you didn't know who it was. But now, when you watch, and I, I, I don't know, what, I, I call this the 2020 detective effect, mm-hmm. where they introduce all of these characters. Oh, who's the electrocutioner? Who, who mm-hmm. is it? And one it's of them a, is played actually by, a mystery this time. Yeah, and one of them is played by John Hawks, like the one person who's going to be super famous uh, is. And you're just sort of like, well, it's going to be him. It's going to be John Hawks, and, right? And the misdirect is so obvious yeah. that you know it's going to be John Hawks, even though they're like heavily pointing to another character. It's like this angry guy. Oh, I, I wish I could kill all these guys. I'm so uh-huh. mad. Oh, I love electricity. Well, it's clearly not you. Obviously, it's John <laughs> it's Hawks. Otherwise, why, why would Hawks, they bother? Yeah. So that's a bit lame. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a. By this point, we've met Terry Polo. By the way, we've met uh, yeah, Detective Ash. Um, and. Peter Horton is, or Ezekiel Stone, is, is gallivanting about with his old badge. Now, he's been dead for yeah. 15 years. You'd think they would take his badge off or badges would have changed. No, he just sort of flips it out. So he's constantly impersonating a police officer. And it's weird that he doesn't get into hotter water for that. I think that's one of the reasons why they moved it out of New York. In the first episode, there Somebody were, detec- there him, were yeah. detectives who were still on the beat who worked with him. Mm. He can't do that in New York. <laughs> in Los Angeles, he can say, I'm a visiting detective from New York. Yeah. And you can kind of get away with it and just sort of walk around a crime scene. You probably shouldn't hang out at the office too much, which he ends up doing. Uh, well, <laughs> but he's no, but that's none too bright that stone fellow. But you can get away with it, and it takes Terry Polo like way too long to finally like ask around. Like, hey, wait a second, Where's I did some checking. From? You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> what in the fuck? So who are you really? Um, the next episode, it's kind of an awkward beginning. Actually, Peter Horton. It's called Slayer. Mm. Peter Horton is at a bar, he's, and he's, he's at a diner. Is at a diner that looks like a bar, okay. <laughs> and uh, he and like another. Escapes and like an escape soul shows up, and he's just and he's like got a big, cool demon slay. He's the blade character. Yeah, the the character that they clearly didn't want to write about. It's like, hey man, I'm the badass that the show should have been about. But uh, we thought the writers thought my character was too boring. But here I am. I'm breaking it anyway. Yeah, I got these brass knuckles with two pointy things on them for getting out people's eyes. Also, I was like an ancient Carthaginian warrior, and now I'm a chameleon. Yeah. And then the whole episode is just that guy. Basically, just trying to like take the fight to Ezekiel Stone mm. before Ezekiel Stone can take the fight to him. And yeah, his whole like he, he knows this guy is there to, to take him out, so he might as well just say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm a bigger badass. I could just take that guy." Yeah, and he decides to flush Ezekiel Stone out by hitting his his pressure points, mm. and his pressure point is he's killing policemen, uh, police widows. <laughs> yeah. Women whose husbands have died in the line of duty, which, of course... Nice and twisted, yeah. Yeah, which, and, of course, eventually he might get to Peter Horton's ex-wife. So it's just sort of like... Or, or ex-wife, I guess. I don't know. Widow. Uh, Widow. Widow. Yeah. Uh, they didn't... 
they didn't divorce as far as we know. Yeah. This is then this is one where they're actually Peter Horton is actually like people actually think he's the killer now. Mm. It gets resolved way too easily. But uh, it, it's actually kind of just this weirdly confusingly laid out episode. It's, it's not it's very conf- clean. It's confusingly laid out because of the Slayer character. And I think if I mean, they couldn't have played him too much broader, but I think if they had, I think if they had gotten, like, a a bigger celebrity to play that character, it might have played a little bit better. Like, this is the Mark Hamill episode, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody who can sort of, like, be a bit more of a supervillain type. The Slayer, on paper, is a supervillain, but they play him a little bit too straight, I think, for the the episode's uh, tone. Yeah. So it's this weird mixture between this comic booky type character and this weird dark serial killer thing, and there's too much story. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is called Ashes. This is this starts out like a pretty normal episode, mm-hmm. and then it goes somewhere I really didn't expect. Oh, is this the Terry Polo episode? This is the, this is the episode where Terry Polo really takes center stage. Uh-huh. Her relationship with uh, Ezekiel, uh, they they have sex. Yep. They actually like the, it, everything comes to a point. The 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 demon of the week is an arsonist who is setting fire to various churches. Mm. Every denomination yeah. hates every denomination Which, of religion. Yeah, not just churches, temples, mosques, everything. And, yeah. And, uh, it, and at, right at the end, mm. Terry Polo's character goes missing, and then we see her. It looks like she's about to be sacrificed, and it turns out <gasps> she's a demon. It turns out, and, and she's been like hypnotizing different people to be the arsonist. Yeah, the idea is that... Or or possessing them or something. She's actually probably the oldest sinner that that escaped from hell and indeed engineered the escape attempt. It it, it turns out she engineered the escape from hell. She's the reason they're all on Earth. Didn't see that coming. Yep, she is a snake priestess from another religion (laughs) who did a lot of human sacrifices and really hates this whole Yahweh thing. And apparently they imply it. They don't really say. They imply that how they got out of hell was she seduced the devil. Well, Peter... Uh, Ezekiel says, you know, hey, so how did she get past you? Wait a minute. She got past you the same way she got past me. She tries to seduce you. And the the devil, like, takes a very obstinate stance, puts his foot down and says, I love nothing but God. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> but he's protests but he, so much. Yeah. He, you can tell he, he the, never, the devil, like, is on the, the defensive like that. too much, me thinks. So, like, that's really, really, really cool. I didn't see it coming. She she survives the episode and you get the impression she was going to be the big bad, if not of the series, and at least of the season. And, again, this whole thing has been really episodic and kind of formulaic. It works. It's a good formula. Mm. But... It's an excellent formula. <laughs> but you don't see twists like this coming because they trained you to think this was an episodic Monster of the Week thing with no real through line. Mm. And now it has one. <laughs> and it just, you just didn't see well, coming. And you get more Terry Polo, and she gets to actually do even cooler shit I mean, now. It's the way most, most series work. You start with the core characters, but then you know, the, the cast of supporting characters grows and changes a little bit over the, as the series grows. Look at Deep Space Nine. It started with, what, like eight main characters, and by the end it had like 40 <laughs> Look at Space Nine. They, they is, just, yeah, they just yeah. take scoops of characters and keep putting them in there. Okay, now Nog is important somehow. All right, fine. <laughs> Can we well, agree now that Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek series? Um, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the time uh, has come to finally admit it. My, my heart still beats for Next Generation, but yeah. All right, the next episode is called Lovers. Now, this episode is... This is another... This episode is where Ezekiel Stone enters an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. 
and essentially has to solve it. Okay, there's a couple... He, he, he's the zombie that takes out the evil lovers who are killing people. Yeah, so the idea is there's there's this guy, he was uh, like a gang member in the 1960s, and now he's romancing a young socialite, and they're trying to bilk her dying mother or grandmother mm-hmm. out of her fortune. Yeah. And he's killing people to sort of preserve that secret. Uh, and, and she's like seducing lawyers and stuff to get it to happen. Absolutely. There's a couple really fun things with this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about... Well, be- because they're like some sitcom moments. It's yeah. like, I'm going to take off my shirt and seduce you. Uh-oh, somebody's at the door. Oh, I have to seduce him here too. Hey, come on in. I'll seduce you too. You know, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. There's also a great bit where someone actually... They call out Columbo, but uh-huh. Peter, but uh, Ezekiel Stone gets to have a Columbo moment mm-hmm. where he walks into this young socialite's life, mm-hmm. knows a bunch of shit she doesn't know about her boyfriend. She's saying, oh, I don't have a boyfriend. Uh-huh. I don't know who you're talking about, and she's he's just like, okay, well, I'm gonna head out now. I'm gonna head out now. It's a, it's a oh, just one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, are you sure you never met a guy named I forget what the dude's name is? Yeah. You're a guy named Julio? No, I don't know anyone named Julio. And then Julio drives up in a stolen car and says, Julio, go! Yeah. Run! <laughs> it's really funny. The other twist mm. is that uh, we know that the boyfriend mm. is a demon from hell, but it turns out so is she. And he's died recently enough that he can actually start like taking calling up old debts and stuff from like associates of his that are now old. Yeah. It's like, hey, you still owe me thirty bucks. Like, I mean, if I was <laughs> if I was in hell and I come back and I'm a dick, that's what I'd do. <laughs> like, hey, you thought you didn't owe me those five bucks, huh? Come on, pay up. Where All is right. it? It's a pretty good episode. Is this the one with the hell car? As yes, well? it is. Okay. So the idea is that Ezekiel Stone is in Los Angeles. It's hard to get around in Los Angeles without a car. Even he says the buses suck. Mm. And the devil is just like, you just got out of hell and you're complaining about public transportation? <laughs> like, come to, on, how bad can it be? To be fair, public transportation in L.A. sucks. Especially in the 90s. Especially in the it's 90s. It's gotten like, better now, but my God, we have bad. Tr- we have trains and more buses now, but yeah, yeah, in the late 90s, you could not get around L.A. very easily. No, like, no, you could no, get around like... The West Side, but yeah, that's if you it, stayed in your reasonable. neighborhood, fine. But if you had to go anywhere, which you will, uh, you like need it. a car. Mm. And so the idea is, he needs a car. Problem is, he only has thirty six dollars and twenty seven cents to his name. <laughs> He'll never so, be able to get a car. The devil is generous, however, and presents him with a car that is worth exactly that much. <laughs> <laughs> it like spews smoke out of yeah. both ends. He, he like tr- he tries selling it, and the guy says, "I'm not going to buy this piece of crap. I'll buy the hood ornament for fifty bucks. Like the hood <laughs> ornament is worth more than the." car <laughs> and he'll get into like he'll try to get into a car chase and it seems like it's gonna be a badass moment but and the, then car the car won't start, start yeah. or the car like he's driving up a hill to like the lover's lane where they once met and, yeah, it's like <laughs> sneaking around a corner and there's like banging and billowing smoke yeah. he's not and, then, and then the car craps out and he just sort of the car just rolls out down, out of the frame and it just entered it's really funny <laughs> i wish the car had stayed i know I wish he just used it at, like, this is the only way, like, this is part of his damnation. He can only get around L.A., but he has the shittiest possible car. He has Horace the hate bug, (laughs) which is Herbie's arch nemesis that is canon. But, uh... Dean Dean Jones is in that movie. It's canon, damn it. (laughs) But the thing that actually is really, really great, even though they they got rid of the car, but they got rid of the car in the best way possible. It's the end of the episode. After he's found out that they're both demons from hell... Sent them back to hell. uh, He sent the boyfriend back to hell. She's so upset that she sends herself back to hell. She stabs her own eyes. Very satisfying. Um, When when people die, like, light shoots out of their eyes, and they die in a big light show. It's like Highlander. It's like a quickening. They sink into a big puddle of light. Also... 
when they jump over stuff, their body is like encased in fire for a second. So that's something yeah, that comes back. I don't, and forth. I don't know why they did that. Just to make, make it cool looking, I guess. It's fine. I don't yeah. care. There's actually this one cool bit we missed it where like Ezekiel Sound like jumps off of a building, but he lands on barbed wire and he's like martyred. Yeah, like he's he's actually like crucified in barbed wire. It's a cool look. Like it's a really great moment. But um, after he sent them both back to hell. And he drives back to his his hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil shows up and he just starts really just giving him the goods again about uh-huh. how, about his shitty fucking car. <laughs> Peter Horton pulls out his gun, shoots out the headlights of the car, and, and the car, car explodes gets, in light gets and gets sucked, sucked into back hell. hell. So the car itself was from hell. That is fucking great. <laughs> and then Peter Horton rollerblades away, and it was and, kind the, of and, the, and, he, and the devil watches him go and just says, "Fair play," and just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> I kind of wish he had kept the rollerblades. <laughs> like, the rollerblades uh, no, would have been a thing. I, I think the hell car would have been better. It, it, like, he should have had that right away. It's like, you got to yeah. get around L.A. Yeah, I'm going to give you a car. But I'm the devil, so here's the kind of car the devil would give you. The next episode is called Carrier. This is about This a, is the Typhoid Mary episode. Yeah, literally, Typhoid Mary. Mm. We find out that uh, the the woman that the story of Typhoid Mary is, is based on, uh, who had typhoid and... Because she just kept working, mm-hmm. uh, people got infected, and she was responsible for many, many deaths. Um, she's in hell. Seems like adding insult to injury. To you know, like she has uh, her reputation's uh, bad enough. Like uh, do we have uh, to uh, turn into a villain on a kind of horror cop show. I think uh, it was implied that she was infecting people on purpose. It, like, still, though, it strikes me as the sort of thing where it's like, listen, I know it's fun to play around with historical figures, mm-hmm. but when you start saying they deserve to be in hell. Yeah, when they're uh, not, when they're not Hitler, you're just sort of just like mm, yeah, you have to start making up the sins. Well, it's like it's like Amadeus has given everyone the impression that Salieri was a horrible bastard who actually mm-hmm. sabotaged Mozart's career. There's no evidence that actually supports that. Mm-hmm. That was made up to make a good play, but now that's all anyone knows about Salieri. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's kind of uh, lame. Uh, I'd say her biggest sin is her terrible late '90s hairdo. It's one of those deals where it's like really kind of flared up and fiery in the back, but has like that one strip of really flat bangs that goes over the front, and she wears like the the pastel lavender crushed velvet dress. God, late nineties fashion was so bad. But the thing is, it's, but the idea, I think, the idea was that she was trying to replicate early twentieth century fashion using mm. what she could find in the late nineties. No, that was that was like vintage ninety eight. Really, it was like, like through, super through and through ninety eight. <laughs> anyway, she just wants to live a normal life, blah, 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 blah. But she's been in hell so long that her typhoid is infected with hell. Mm-hmm. And so every time not, she not, kisses somebody, mm-hmm. they are... Like, their faces light up and they yeah. die instantly of typhoid. And, like, in a really bad computer effect, they, like, froth up hell foam. Yeah. It looks really awful. It, it, this one is pretty uh, cool because it, it, uh, Ezekiel Stone actually gets infected because it is a hell virus. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so it's... Because the thing is, is that because he's essentially immortal except for his eyes... Uh, it's kind of hard to challenge him physically, and this basically he's got like a hundred and ten fever and trying to solve the case. And the, that's pretty cool. And uh, the devil, you know, he he, in, I guess, invented hell typhoid. Maybe he could get it, so he doesn't want to get near typhoid Mary even. <laughs> um, the next episode, I think, probably worked better on paper than it did as an episode. It's called Faces. This is the. Uh, it's a cool idea, but it plays out... Like, I had trouble following it, frankly. It's a little so, weird. So, th- we meet a young boy at, like, a batting cage. Uh, or, young no, boy. No. He's, he's, like, in his... Just like, he's a teenager. Okay, here, here's what happens. And he's there's, a demon. There's... there's well... <laughs> there you go. But yeah. there's a little bit more to it than that. We're actually introduced to a young, uh, the young boy who is in hell. Uh, mm. Goes to, like, where his stepfather used to live. Stepfather isn't there. Long since moved. Mm. And then two other demons show up and kill the people who are in the house. Mm. 
and Ezekiel Stone, who wished he had had kids with his wife, but didn't, so this whole subplot doesn't really track very well, takes on like a fatherly affection for this kid who thinks these demons might be hunting the kid or mm. connected to the kid, and he doesn't as realize... As that it turns out they do. As it turns out, mm. the kid was a murderer, but he was also an abused child who ended up having multiple personality disorder, and all of his multiple personalities are... He literally transforms into them. Yeah, that that's sort of his hell superpower. And yeah. I, I think that's kind of a neat idea. There's something you could play with. someone with multiple personality, personalities who now has, like, superpowers now just physically transforms into those personalities. So I'm, now you have one character played by however many actors you want. They have to bend over backwards, though, and this happens sometimes, to justify why the kid is in hell. Because mm. the kid was, again, the kid was abused, the kid was mentally ill, mm. and the devil has to say, like, yeah, all of that sucks, but when he killed this other person, mm. he knew what he was doing, and he knew what it was wrong, and that was the thing that damned him. And all this other <laughs> stuff isn't why he's in hell. So they have to really clarify. Cl- cleared in a court. Um, For hell. Yeah. And then the second to last episode, probably mm. the best episode, well, this is the It's a Wonderful Life episode. Except where, it's, it's but, a hell of a but life. But it's, it, it's inverted because um, Ezekiel Stone is ha- having a little, like some moments of doubt and a little bit of hope as well. Like maybe he is he could be redeemed or maybe he can reach out to his wife. And yeah. the devil shows up. And this is like not the usual Monster of the Week thing. There is a Monster of the Week, but it's, but it's kind it's, of the it's, beginning it's and like the end of the episode. It's like a subplot. And uh, so the devil says, well... Let me tell you why you deserve to be in hell, and takes him around, and like like in a Christmas Carol, shows him his past, yeah. and shows all of the crappy things he's done to show him what a terrible person he's been. Because Ezekiel Stone is convinced that he is the righteous one in this relationship. Mm-hmm. That the only reason he's in hell is because he killed the man who assaulted his wife. Mm. It, it, the devil's assertion is you were going to hell regardless that was just the thing that sealed the deal mm. and so we see Ezekiel Stone like was a bully as a kid we yeah. see that uh, his, he, his, his abusive father insisted that he also be abusive so he started beating up kids just for to please his father we see him being a shitty husband mm. uh, possibly cheating on his wife not going through with it but you know in mind mm. that's all that mattered <laughs> uh, we see him planting evidence on a drug dealer and getting that drug dealer killed in prison yeah, and it's actually really fucked up. And you're watching him, just like, "Wow, am I going to hell? This is horrible." <laughs> like every little thing adds up. And then halfway through the episode, the devil sort of leaves to let Ezekiel stew in everything he's just learned about himself. Mm-hmm. And then John Glover shows up wearing all white, and he's, as, as a repairman, he's got like a little white cap and some overalls. Yeah. And he starts talking to him. He starts saying reassuring things, and Ezekiel doesn't buy it. And then he looks at himself like, "Is this what I look like to you?" Oh my god, no, no, I'm an angel. Yeah, Once- all, all of us angels, we're, we're all brothers, and we all, I guess we all look the same to you. So, yeah, yeah, everyone thinks we all look alike. I don't know why. And then, <laughs> so it turns out, John Glover plays a dual role as oh. the person who was trying to convince Peter Horton he was always going to hell, mm-hmm. and the person trying well, to convince Peter Horton he's capable of redemption. It's the very literal, the devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder, yeah. but they're both played by John Glover, and it's a, a character we've come to care about, so it actually really works. It's and, fantastic. And there's this really funny bit where uh, the devil doesn't know the angel is involved yet, uh-huh. so like the angel Angel will do all like the devil things where he pops up into his life and mm. like he's just there like having a vanilla Sunday, and then the <laughs> devil pops up like after he leaves and she's like, "What is this? I only eat Rocky Road. <laughs> this is bullshit." Love <laughs> the devil gets angry about that vanilla <laughs> me. But I'm glad they addressed this though. One because it really makes Ezekiel Stone a more well-rounded character. He really yeah. just seems like he was built all around one plot point. But also because when you have a story about how people are in hell. Mm-hmm. And deserve to be in hell and are all monsters. You re- you just kind of ignore the fact that most people 
don't lead lives of that remarkable goodness or badness Mm -hmm. where they don't necessarily do a whole bunch of things that guarantee they're going to heaven or a whole bunch of things that guarantee they're going to hell. We're all just an accumulation of little moments of morality and immorality, of ethics, of not ethics, of good decisions, bad decisions, Mm -hmm. of selfish decisions, selfless decisions. And I'm really, really glad they addressed that that is a thing mm. and that ultimately we're, it's never too late to be a better person. Mm. That A, that's just a good message in general. It's and, a particularly good message well, in it, the context of this show. And this is a great episode. It, it, it's, and it also points out that uh, Ezekiel Stone, although he's in the employ of the devil and is doing the devil's dirty work, and maybe even doing that is sort of sealing his fate, that he has to keep on, he has to go back to hell after this after all. Mm-hmm. Even though the deal, <clears throat> excuse me, the deal is, and we didn't even mention this, once he's done with getting all 113 of these escaped souls, he gets to go back to Earth and yeah. live out his life. Well, and presumably then he would be on the path to potential redemption. Well, here's the thing, though. Because the devil says you get you get a second chance. Mm. He's very nonspecific. <laughs> I think it's clear Ezekiel thinks he just gets to walk around and go be with his wife again. I suspect that what would happen is we would find out the twist is he gets to come back, but he gets to be, like, reincarnated. Oh, there you go. Like, there's got to be some sort of ironic twist where mm. you do still need to be punished for what you did. Mm. You get your second chance, but it's not just like a gift you actually yeah. you have to work your way up from the or beginning again. how cool would this be like they they last several seasons he gets all 113 episodes out of the way because that's clearly, up, clearly the way it was teams up and with black jack savage helps him catch some of his they, they, of they, his they, life they, they team up black jack savage is also redeemed is like okay got all 113 okay devil give me my second chance okay do you have a second chance to catch 113 more let's go <laughs> My God, you, you're a dick. I'm the devil, you asshole. What do you think? <laughs> but 113 more, I'll give you a third chance. For a while there, so there's one more episode left. It's called The Morning After, M-O-U-R-N. And this is the one where we finally get to meet the wife. Uh, spend, spend some real time with her outside of a flashback anyway. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like another one of those things, like kind of like Roar, where it feels like the series ends and then there's one more. Yeah. And obviously they were, these were all canceled before they had their full run, but it doesn't end satisfactorily. It's like going to be one more just generic monster of the week. Mm. And then it goes somewhere I didn't expect it to again. I was really happy. The idea is he's now that he's now that Ezekiel thinks maybe redemption is possible, mm. he decides to maybe he's going to look out, find his wife, mm. and he stalks her a little bit. Like in RoboCop. Like he finds her. She's 15 years older. He looks the same. And yeah. he's not going to like just charge up and say, hey, look, I'm still alive. Yeah, there's there's still like, they were pretty young. Mm-hmm. So like she still like looks, you know. She like, looks the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there, there's the age difference isn't so striking that mm-hmm. you'd think it would be a problem with that relationship. Yeah. She was probably younger than him when they dated anyway. Um, so, but he sees that she's dating some other guy. And it sucks. And she sees him have sex with that guy. And she's like, oh, God. And um, I I didn't like the twist, though. You didn't like the twist? No. I thought it was kind of cool. Well, I mean, it was kind of cool. The obvious twist is the guy she's dating is 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 one of the demons. Mm. We see that coming. The 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 secondary twist I thought was fine. It was the first twist I didn't like. Oh, really? That that he's just sort of looking at at this woman that he loved and saw hurt and you know committed this horrible sin for, and he's been dead for fifteen years and now he's forgotten. And I think that would make his damnation all the more horrible. Right. And just seeing that she is a real person who has other things to get to in her life. She's not just going to sit down mourning. Fifteen. Years, years is a long time, especially if you're young. Mm-hmm. When your spouse dies, is a long time not to date. Yeah, that's a long time. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not judging anyone if they've been through that and maybe will have. But 15 years is a perfectly reasonable amount of time that maybe you'd be in a serious relationship again. That her new boyfriend is a demon. I think is kind of a cop out. It, I, it doesn't doesn't let her 
seem like she's a character with any autonomy. She's now still just a foil for his misery. I agree, and that sucks. And mm-hmm. I think a big mistake was that he seemed to be like the first person she dated since her husband died. Yeah. 15 years is a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. He could be the latest boyfriend. Yeah. Or maybe, or, or whatever. That would be okay, also, but like it's... Wouldn't, this... it be, wouldn't it be great if not only did she have a boyfriend, but she was married and they had a teenage child? Sure, it's why not? 15 years. Yeah, you can play with that. Now he has a son, uh, well, not a son, just... Or a daughter, whatever. Like, a, a, has... a son that he might, he could well, have had. for all yeah. he knows, she was pregnant when, the, when he died. Oh, there you go. You could have played that. Mm. That would have been an okay bit, too. But instead, she has this evil boyfriend, and the twist is that he's a demon. Mm. And then the second twist is... He's, he's Terry Polo. <laughs> And, so cool! And she was having an affair with the wife just to piss him off, more or less. Like, she, I guess he, she knew that Ezekiel Stone was going to go look for the wife. It's only so a just, matter of time. Yeah, yeah, so he decided. So she, she decided, decided to, to seduce there, yeah. the wife, and then when that didn't work, she was actually going to possess his wife's body mm. so that he'd have to be with her because I guess she really does really have a thing for him. Oh. And he ends up defeating her, but she escapes anyway. It's like a mist. Mm. And that's basically the end. He doesn't actually get together with his wife. But it's a good way to go out, even though It's a Hell of a Life was sort of like a good button for the series. I think this is fine because we finally do address the wife and we finally Mm -hmm. do have like a final important confrontation. It's not just the monster of the week. And we call back a character. So it it all comes together. It's a shame that the female characters Mm -hmm. in the show don't have more to do. Um, We mentioned that Lori Petty is in the show. Mm -hmm. I love Lori Petty. She's in Tank Girl. She's in fucking Bates Motel. She's great. I love Lori Petty. She doesn't have much to do. And I kept expecting to find out that she was an angel or had something mm-hmm. to do with it, and she it never really and, plant pants oh, out. And we didn't, we didn't talk about the blind priest. Oh, there's a blind priest. There's a blind priest that he talks to about theological issues sometimes. And uh, they actually have a really great conversation. It's like, well, yeah, I was sent here from hell, and I'm fighting demons. And uh, the, the priest says, well, great, it's not a matter of faith anymore. Yeah, you just validated <laughs> my whole life. I, all my doubts are gone. This is great. <laughs> actually, I'm glad all, they addressed that. All those moments of doubt just vanished I don't know. I know. I know it's all real. So if this had lasted 100 episodes, mm-hmm. um, obviously we would have had a lot more monsters of the week. But I do think we would have had this thing where certain sinners we would find out are capable of redemption, and maybe mm-hmm. they are redeeming themselves, and maybe people he'd even put away would come back, like the Nazi yeah. would come back and try to redeem himself more. It's pretty the, fucked up to have that conversation with a Nazi, but you got to realize if it's possible for anybody, it's got to be possible for anybody. Yeah, yeah. So and that's interesting. They could have staged other hell breaks, as it were. That'd be cool. um, maybe the, there was like an episode where everybody gets out of hell. <laughs> um, th- this had so much potential really to, to do something really kind of X Filesy and like continue to compound like strange story arcs within the structure where you can very comfortably and very excitingly have monsters of the week with mm-hmm. interesting twists and powers um the only thing it has going against it and this is pretty powerful is its aesthetic it's very very much of its time that's yeah. kind of colorless filters a lot of the the dour music even the poor man's david fincher and i mean yeah. 90s david fincher when his stuff really did look yeah like. the, the his his outfit and the the brooding tone of the entire series mm-hmm. was very 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 dated very quickly mm-hmm. um when i started watching this i was very much reminded of the hellstorm comics from the mid 90s <laughs> remember nobody remembers those but it's it's like one of the gothiest piece of shit you can find um Marvel Comics dug up this old character called the Son of Satan, but they gave him this 90s retrofit and gave him this long hair and a a long leather coat but no shirt, and he had a big pentagram tattooed on his chest, and indeed one of the big story arcs in that comic book, which I read as a teenager, was 
some souls had escaped hell, and now he had to bring go. them back. And he you was know, the son of Satan. So the it was problem his job. with that seven aesthetic, uh-huh. uh, it, and it confused people even when they watched seven, is that it looks like it, what you're watching is all style and no substance. Mm. And if there is substance, you can be so distracted by the style you can miss it, which is why a lot of people thought seven was pretty shallow mm. for a long time, even though it's actually very well thought out, it's exceptional. It, it, it's movie. almost comically nihilistic, but but it's, but it's well made. Like yeah. every all the characters are great, the story tracks. It's really really well done mm. movie in every way. But it's so stylistic, a lot of people wrote it off as this MTV kind of thing. And I think that's the same thing with Brimstone. I also think it made the huge mistake of using its darkest episodes right off the bat. It really was kind of oppressive, and I can appreciate like, it not keeping as much of an audience. Because once it, it gets was, a little bit more fun... Clearly trying to be a horror show, and they, they found their groove pretty quickly. And yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, by the time we got to the end of the first season, it's like, these are good episodes. Oh, yeah, this, this show was show. definitely canceled too soon. Definitely. Absolutely. I'm really, really glad mm-hmm. uh, our listeners picked this one. Uh, Pe- this was a lot of fun. Peter Horton, uh, not that he was missed cast i think they could have gone with a more like my problem with most protagonists is that they're meant to be ciphers and as a result don't have a heck of a lot of personality they're they're not free to be weird with protagonists so i would have cast somebody with a little bit more strangeness Mm -hmm. i think think of david duchovny like Mm -hmm. he was cast to be kind of a cipher but he's kind of a weirdo as well and and we like him for that and also he has a foil to bounce off of who's a little bit more straight laced i see what you're getting at i think what they were getting because i remember peter horton 30 something wasn't that long ago when when uh Brimstone came out. Mm. Peter Horton was still a recognizable face. He was a very wholesome image on television. Mm. Um, I think they were trying to play off of that. Is that the idea that Peter Horton mm. has fallen? You know, like I, someone, someone who is I understand that, but good. even that that fallen brooding character isn't so interesting. I want kind mm. of a, a weirdo who has a little bit more habit. Like the the Reggie Bar episode was great. Yeah. Like, he, had some, what, he had some interests. What are yeah. his actual interests beyond just being a broody agent of Satan? You know, yeah. g- give us an actor who can bring out some of that. They needed to have more of that. Yeah. They needed to have try to assemble a bit more of something resembling a life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been kind of nice. Uh, maybe he could have moved in and become Laurie Petty's roommate. Or that would have like, been kind of. Or he was a big fan of like this completely forgotten band from the early '80s. Like, yeah, yeah. I saw them in this bar. And I was really excited. I, I was sure they're going to get big, and they're just gone. And he's like constantly looking for that one record. <laughs> And he, and he finds it, and it's got a demon in it. You know, whatever. Uh, unfortunately, you have to go uh, get your kid. That's fortunate I, for you, because you can see your kid. But yeah. like, it's unfortunate, because we have to cut we this We have to off. cut this episode a little short. Um, I apologize for that. Yeah, and the next episode is going to be a bit of a monster, because our next Patreon poll was all of your options were cops and lawyer shows. Mm-hmm. And what you picked was a cop and a lawyer show, Law & Order Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There's been some debate about whether or not that should count because Law & Order is still going, but we've done no, spinoffs it, before. It's its own show. It's its own show. It's in the same format, and it's a spinoff, I'll grant you, but we've done spinoffs before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's its own entity, and we, we decided mm-hmm. that this one counts. There's always something where it's like, does it count? We're, it, we it make counts. the call. It counts. We make the call. <laughs> it's like 22 episodes. It's going to be a long one. So we're going to do that next time, and uh, we're going to have to catch up on some letters, obviously, although I think we mostly caught up. We're we're pretty close with the letters, but please uh, don't let that... Just because we're not reading this episode, don't let that discourage you from writing in. Our uh, our email address is uh, canceled too soon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also tweet us at canceledcast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Simon. Don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Critically Acclaimed, which is part of the Schmoes No iTunes feed. Uh, you can also listen to it on YouTube at SK. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Uh, this podcast takes a long time to do because we watch an entire season of television every week so anything you can contribute to help us out and help us prioritize this show (laughs) really 
really, 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 yeah, really it, helps. It, even, so, if, even if it's just a buck a month, we're grateful yeah. for it. And we're so actually thank think, you so much. And we're going to be looking at our uh, Patreon uh, tiers lately to sort of encourage everybody. We might make some changes, mm-hmm. maybe add some critically acclaimed kind of perks. Uh, and just I want to, to, to seduce some of you who are only listening to this yeah. one and not the other one. Absolutely. And, you know, we got a $5 perk in which you get to vote on uh, an episode we do every month. And this mm-hmm. month, we're, they're all voted. Uh, and also you get a bonus episode, the Can't Seduce a Monthly Movie. I think we should do something where we have a $1 tier. Yeah, it's not much, yeah. but you get something. Mm-hmm. Just to encourage everybody if they want to chip in, because it's great to have you all involved on the Patreon pages, debating about what shows you want us to review. It's really, really great. We want to encourage as many of you to participate mm-hmm. as possible, because this is your show, too. We wouldn't be doing this if no one cared. <laughs> or at least we wouldn't be podcasting about it. We'd just be doing it for fun. Well, we'd, just be, we'd be doing this exact same thing, just the microphone would be gone. <laughs> just be jawing at each other. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with Law & Order Los Angeles. And uh, that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.